0: Welcome back, everyone. I appreciate all your support. Hope you are all having a blessed week and in some way finding encouragement in this podcast. So we've been talking about uh, letting go of our past. We've talked about God staying faithful even when we are not. Well, today I want to talk about trying to change versus allowing God to change you. It happens too often that people give their life to Christ and then they backslide because they're feeling like they just aren't measuring up. I experienced this in my own life for many years. I was a Christian, but never really understood this concept, and it made my life miserable. So I want to share this with you. I'll share more about my personal story in a later episode, but for now, here we go. Let's jump into it. This is Surrender Changed My Life, Episode 3. Stop Striving and Start Believing. No Man Can Ever Earn God's Righteousness. It can only be transferred when we truly no longer rely on our own works, but by our own strength. We have to let this all go. All those unfair expectations of yourself. Those expectations were never from God. Be free to let God change you. Stop trying to do things to make yourself better. Seek him in all of his righteousness. And that is what's going to help you begin to change and you will never stop feeling like you and then you'll begin to stop feeling like you're not good enough comparing to others is the quickest way to lose sight of who you are god made them to be like them and you to be like you you can't fulfill their purpose and they can't fulfill yours god made us all unique to do what only we can do this is a big problem we let others judgment of us and our judgment of ourselves make us feel like we are not good enough but you can't live that way. You're comparing yourself as what they are when God designed you completely different. No wonder you don't measure up. It would be like someone judging you, you on your own ability to climb a tree when you are a fish and they're a squirrel. One was made to climb trees and the other to swim, flip things around, and I doubt they would be any better as a squirrel trying to swim. Fish were made with fins, specific things that God designed them to do so that they would be able to do that one thing greater than any other creature made. So same is for us, we, we've been given gifts and abilities. So the funny thing is, most of the time we think we are no better than another and we don't measure up. But the fact of the matter is, most people are too distracted to judge you because they are too busy trying to measure up to you at the same time. You are trying to measure up to them. It's really sad, honestly. We've lost value in believing that God created us for something so special that only we can do. Here's another example. If you are an ear, you are meant to hear, but you spend your whole life trying to see. Of course, you will feel discouraged because you were never given the gift or ability to see. But same would be true if you were an eye trying to hear. Does that mean either one of these are less important than another? No, they are equally important, but are specifically made to do what they alone can do. Ephesians four seven says, God has given each of us a supernatural grace according to the gift he has given to each one of us. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says God has carefully designed each member and placed it in his body to function as he desires. His body is represented as his people. Since we are all made one in Christ through his sacrifice on the cross, we are all meant to function working together to do all that God created created us for and to do all he has purposed. We get to finish the work Jesus started. While he was here on this earth, he did many miracles. He led people to him. He, everything he did pointed back to God. The only way to be truly free is to stop comparing and caring what people think of you. All that matters is what God thinks of you. If you can do that, then you will stop feeling like you are cut just short of being good enough or thinking you don't have what it takes. It is not by your own ability that you are able to function in your gift and purpose. Because God placed that gift in you, it is His grace, His supernatural power working through you. He made it this way on purpose, so none of us would have reason to compare. If it is God's grace that empowers us to live, then how could we ever compare God's power to itself? We can't do things like this. It's just, it's not the way God wanted us God intended for it to be, to save us from this comparison thing. Understanding this takes the burden of trying to be perfect off your shoulders. On our own, we can never be perfect. Only by continually letting God shape our character to be more like Him can we ever grow. So, next time you feel like you don't have what it takes, be glad that you don't have what it takes. Be glad in all your shortcomings. God works best in the impossible, and he wants to do the impossible through you. But as long as you feel like you have to somehow be good enough or be strong enough in your own effort, God will not be able to do what he needs to do through you. Seriously, let it all go. Stop pleasing man and what others may expect. Accept you are as good as God says you are. Don't allow yourself to worry about man's opinion. God will work mightily through those who are weakest in the natural and bring them into the supernatural power so that it will be no question it was all God, nothing to do with you. That way no one can take credit or compare because it's you being willing to let God use you and He does the rest. He knows what to do. You just trust and follow Him. Just as He has been showing Himself to you throughout your life, Once He has saved you from your past and has a relationship with you, He wants to use all of our lives to point back to the fact we can't live without Him. So those who are still entangled in the life that this world has to offer outside Him may just as we have come to know Him. We get to be a part of this plan. He wants to use you in your weak areas to show the world who do not yet believe that He does exist. He does this by proving what they thought to be impossible to be possible. He will use the least likely people who have made mistakes, who are not perfect, to be an example of his willingness to use brokenness and make a masterpiece from what the world has labeled useless and imperfection. God is never looking for ability, he's looking for availability. It says in Ephesians 4:16, "For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one, and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all, and as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love." God is love. It's not what he has, it's who he is. He can never change. Never again do you have to focus on your own strengths or weaknesses. Many times in the Bible, God used the most broken and unqualified to do the greatest miracles. Some of you may have heard of these people, but some of you may not. But the story of Moses. Jesus spoke to Moses in a burning bush. And he said, I'm going to use you to free all of the Israelites from their captors in Egypt. And Moses started telling him, no, I'm I'm not good enough. I, I don't do well speaking in front of people, all these other things. And God still chose to use him. And one of the things about Moses is what caused him to run away into the desert in the first place was he got angry at one of the Egyptians for whipping one of his People, he didn't—he didn't see there to be any reason why this Egyptian uh, uh, slave trader was just beating him, and so he got angry and accidentally killed this Egyptian, and he hid the body in the sand, and his own people started judging him, and he ran away, and in that place of running away God found him and spoke to him through a burning bush so even though he was a murderer even though he had made some mistakes God still chose to use him even in his weakness God chose to use him another example is Rahab Um, the Israelites after they got out of uh, Egypt they were faced with an impossible uh, an impossible battle of, it's called the battle of Jericho. And there was only one way into this uh, city. And it was through the window of a woman named Rahab. She was a prostitute. She was Uh, not, not who we would consider to be a righteous woman, but God still chose to use her because of her willingness to help the Israelites. So they found, uh, they found Rahab um, and she let down a rope from her window and allowed the Uh, spies from the Israelites to come into her window. And not only that, but hid them in her own home in the city from the people of Jericho so that they wouldn't be discovered. And they said, because you've helped us, God is going to bless you and your family And because she was willing, because she was, you know, just had the right heart to help because she knew that they were the people of God and that God had sent them. She, she, she believed in what they were trying to uh, accomplish and she helped them do it. And so upon understanding, um, understanding like, the uh, layout and different things like that of of the place and following God's plan to destroy this the city there's a lot more to this story um but it, long story short, a prostitute was used by God to be the only way into the city that was between them and all of God's prosperity and blessing in the land on the other side. Another great example is David. Um, he's the least person you would expect um, to do all that he did. I mean, all he was was just a shepherd. Uh, he watched over the sheep, but God saw his heart, his humility, his willingness, his servant's, uh, servant attitude. And he said, I... I can use somebody like this. I can use a humble heart. I can use a willing heart. And David went through many, many years of waiting patiently to become King, but was, was profit. It was prophesied over him by, um, the prophet Samuel that he would become King, but he had many years to wait, uh, before he finally became King. And even after he became King, he gave into his, Worldly urges, and he was he made a selfish decision to um, to basically invite this woman um into his home and sleep with her and uh later found out that uh she was the wife of the captain of his uh, army and He told him to, um, come home and, and, uh, um, hoping that he would basically cover up his lie. He told him, go home. You don't need to be serving in the military anymore. Go home and, and lay with your wife, hoping that when the fact that she was now pregnant, uh, he could cover it up and make it look like it was just her kid and her kid and the captains. Um, but. King David took it even further because this man out of honor decided I'm going to, um, I'm going to do what is my duty. I know it'd be great to come home and spend time with my wife, but I'm protecting my kingdom. I'm protecting my king. And he insisted he come home, but he wouldn't do it. And so then David took it a step further to cover up his lie. He sent this man to the front lines of battle and he was killed you know we we've all made some pretty terrible mistakes but i doubt any of us have sentenced people to their own death um and even if we have here's an example that god still made david the greatest king of all the old testament of of all, all the all the bible like he was an amazing king and it was because of his heart in turning to God and saying, God, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done what I did. I'm sorry. I'm turning back to you. God saw his heart. And that's what, that's what made him, uh, continue to, um, forgive David was because he was, he was willing to, to look past his mistakes and say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm not good enough, but if you're, if you'll, if you'll forgive me, then I'll, I'll be just fine. Um, another really good example is Paul in the new Testament. Um, Paul was a murderer of God's people. And one day he was blinded on the roadside when he was traveling and God, God gave him spiritual blindness and said, Paul at the time, his his name was Saul, but everyone called him Paul. Uh, he said, "Paul, why are you why are you persecuting me?" And he said, "Who is that, Lord?" And he said, "I am the one you're persecuting." And at that very moment, he said, "I want to use you to teach my people the gospel." And he was like, "God, I'm a murderer. I, I've murdered your people. Why would you want to use me?" And Paul wrote half the New Testament of the Bible. One more example. Peter, he was he was with Jesus before he died on the cross. And Jesus told him the future. He said, you are going to deny me three times. Deny that you even know me. Deny that you won't have anything to do with me. You'll deny me three times. And... Jesus is Jesus is taken away to be whipped and flogged, um, and as he's walking, he sees Peter. Uh, and somebody asks him, "Hey, you were one of those disciples who was with Jesus." And he says, "I don't know what you're talking about. I I never knew him." It happened again a second time, and then a little girl comes up to him and says, yeah, it was definitely you. Like you were one that was with Jesus. And he got very angry with this little girl and said, do not even say that. I would have nothing to do with him. And Jesus looked at him and Peter was devastated. Peter was hurt because he had, he felt like he betrayed his savior. But later on, later on when Jesus is resurrected and um, they're out on the water, Paul, I'm sorry. Peter sees him, and he comes running up to him, and Jesus doesn't treat him any differently. He just wraps his arms around him, and and as if to say, "Like I knew it was going to happen. I already forgave you. Like I was telling you it would happen, so you would realize how much I love you, not to condemn you, but to say, like even though you're going to do that, I'm going to continue to love you." So these are just some really uh really good examples uh that God will use broken people and and people who have made mistakes people who sinned to to bring us all together in one family so that we can all so that we can all uh be at peace and and live in eternity with our heavenly father God's powerfully declared You are righteous and perfect in every way in his eyes. Stop striving to change. Focus on his love and it will continue to change all you are to being all God has destined you to be since you were in your mother's womb. Living in the fear of comparison is just choosing to believe what the devil says about you instead of what God says about you. All it takes is real faith and trusting God to do all he promises he would do. Not just for a few but for all who will choose to have relationship with Him, it all boils down to choice, once again, the gift of free will. It is this kind of faith which transfers God's righteousness and wisdom into your own life. Nothing you could do physically or by your own strength, but in the lack of strength, by accepting you are nothing without Him, God's word says, With Him we can do all things, but without Him we can do nothing. And in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, it says, For it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God, as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God, given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. This is why it is so crucial to understand that our identity and very life source can only be found in him. The more we try to find it in another thing, the more we will be left with an emptiness that will never be filled. I want to read to you a story in the word. It's the woman at the well. Some of you may have heard. Uh, This is found in uh, John chapter 4, starting in verse 5. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food For it was already afternoon. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Real quick, I want to pause here. And one of the reasons that this is so powerful, that Jesus used this, that uh, Jesus um, um, made this happen, that he, he asked this woman, was because in those days women were looked down upon. um, And he was trying to make the point that either man nor woman, I love them all. And so um, another thing about this that was so weird was Samaritans. Um, This is why she asked, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? See, it was weird that she was a woman, but it was even more weird for her in the culture back then that um, a Jewish person would even speak to a Samaritan because they hated one another. And God did this to show it doesn't matter what ethnicity, what background you are from, what what anything. I love every single one of you and want to give every single one the opportunity to know me. And so she said, why would... Um, So Jesus replied to her, If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, But sir, you don't even have a bucket and this this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestors? Jacob, the one who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again, and I will, and, and they will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Going back to what I just said, that that our life source is found in God alone. And that's what he's trying to tell her about, is that you're you're missing it like this this physical water is nothing in comparison all these things and then he he really addresses the real issue here the woman replied let me drink that water so i'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water jesus said go get your husband and bring him back here jesus could jesus was showing that he knew what she had been doing in those secret places of her life, the, the secret sin. Um, and yet he still wanted to help her. Like he wants to help every single one of us. She said, but I'm not married. The woman answered. Jesus said, that's true for you've been married five times. And now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, Worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. And that's what I was saying about David and and Moses and, and all of them, just having the right heart, being willing. Um, For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit in, and in truth. The woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah, and when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, You don't have to wait any longer. The Anointed One is here, speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. See they understood that like whoa this is this isn't right this isn't our culture um you know they they understood it from a worldly worldly perspective they said oh she's not good enough she's she's filthy she's a samaritan woman and not only that is she samaritan but she's a woman men are not supposed to be seen talking to women in their culture but god came or jesus was sent to the earth jesus wanted to give us an example <clears throat> that we don't look at people's uh, background we don 't look at people 's appearance we don 't look at who they are what what gender they are. we love every single one that 's how he wanted us to live. None of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing because they they weren't going to question Jesus because they knew he was the anointed one, but they didn't understand why he would do that because they had not yet received. The greatest gift of all, which is the love of God, and they, they didn't understand how to look outside their culture, look outside the way things have always been, and just act in a, a love, like I talked about in last week's episode of agape love, just sacrificial, doing whatever it takes to, to love on people. So... All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. God wants to reveal himself to us. He's not trying to hide. Um, he will, he's not trying to use our sin to, to condemn us. He's trying to, to show us, Hey, I don't care what you've done. I still love you. I receive you. I want you to have this living water. I want you to have a relationship with me. And by one person getting this message, maybe it's you, maybe it's, you know, somebody else listening, but I'm just saying by one person getting this message, Every single one of us get to be used by God to go and tell other people so they too can come and see Jesus. But how do they see Jesus? They see Jesus inside of us through the way that we begin to act as he did toward this Samaritan woman. By acting, it doesn't matter what you're doing, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter like, who are we to judge? We've made mistakes. If you've made one mistake, you've made them all. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to one another, but to love one another and recognize we're all on the same team. We're trying to fight against people's uh, burdens and fight against people's hurts and pains that they're experiencing and begin to stand by their side and say, hey, I've been through that. I know what it feels like and have a deep compassion in our hearts. So... The more you seek to do things on your own understanding, in your own natural ability, the more you are left thirsty. Only God has what you need to be fully satisfied and not longing for more. So truly seek to only please Him and watch Him transform every part of your life. You will do things you never thought you could do. Be someone you never thought you could be. Apart from anything we can do, what Jesus did is all we need. It is more than enough. He paid the final price. Now we just get to live in His righteousness. All we have to do is receive it. True and lasting fulfillment comes to you when you are truly able to understand and hear the Lord speak over you. I will never hold your mistakes or shortcomings against you. If you feel that way, it is not from our loving Father. Again, He wants to correct you to help you grow, not condemn you for when you mess up. It is the enemy trying to derail you and distract you into thinking you don't have what it takes. Fear is just believing what he says over what God says. God's promises to you are not fulfilled because you try to make yourself good enough, but because of God's righteousness transferred through your faith in believing God in the first place, believing him at his word, believing what Jesus did for you and knowing he is all you need. If we could ever be good enough in the first place, we would have no reason for faith. Faith is disqualified the more we think we are capable without God. His promises would not be able to be given to everyone equally and all Jesus did when dying on the cross would be useless if we could try and earn God's righteousness and inheritance on our own. This promise has to be solely dependent on faith, for it was meant to be experienced as a gift of grace, and gifts are never to be earned but freely given. This promise is not dependent on whether or not you make mistakes or follow perfectly every law, but because you entered into faith, the same faith that was demonstrated by the examples God provided in His Word. For this is why we have His Word. We build our faith in Him, It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So even speaking the word of God, um, living the word of God, it builds people's faith. It builds your faith. Even hearing this message now, it gives you hope. Those in his word are our examples that by God's power, they believed that God can heal the sick, raise the dead and call things that are impossible to become possible against all odds, no matter how hopeless you feel or your situation may seem, believe as they did believe the same promises that are for all of us are yours. Have a greater expectation for God to not only fulfill your greatest desires, but that he will only start there for you don't have you don't have the comprehension or the imagination big enough to show you all God has in store for you. He wants to bless you. If you've ever seen, uh, an earthly father who just loves their kid and just just has, has millions of dollars. Do they not just shower that, that child with, with, um, uh, just cars and, 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 um, just everything they can think of. They just want to give them the best life possible. If, An earthly father could love somebody, love their own child that much, and they only have love, but God is love. How much more, how much more is God going to rain and shower upon you his blessings? You just have to intently, it has to be your heart's intent to love him, not Love what he can give you, but love him for who he is. The fact that you're alive today is because he wants relationship with you. It's why he created us. Take God at his word, all his promises, and see that God will do for you what he has done for many others since the beginning of time. Whatever God's promises, he has spoken to you personally. He's spoken all these promises to us for, for years, but whatever you see, he's spoken over, um, people in the word. If you read the word and you find out his promises, those promises are not just for them because God's no respecter of persons. God wants you to have all those things. He gave all those other people who were blessed because of their heart toward him (laughs) No matter what you do, you have to believe what he's spoken over you will come to pass. Against impossible looking odds, when you seem to have no hope, trust he will do all to fulfill what he has declared over you. When the specific purpose and destiny God promised you was made, if you allow your faith to remain strong, that it cannot be undermined by the fact you have some areas of weakness, Then watch as it unfolds before your eyes. No matter what, never stop believing God's promises, for you are made strong through your faith to do all you're meant to do, nothing left out. Believe in faith and be convinced beyond all measure that God has all power needed to fulfill all He has spoken. All his promises over you so continue seeking and praising god for what he is at work completing inside you even if you can't see it or feel it know he is doing something impossible within you romans 4 24 through 25 for when we believe and embrace the one who brought our lord jesus back to life perfect righteousness untainted in any way is credited to our account impossible to be unaccredited Jesus' whole purpose to be handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of sins and our whole redemption package attached and being raised from the dead was all the proof needed to know we have been made right with God once and for all, and we have access to all he wants to give us. Giving into sin can break apart even what God meant to be good, but God will restore all that you have lost and make it better than before. Once you recognize your fault, put him first in your life and wait on his timing to make all make it all come back together in his grace and see how much easier it will be as he is the author, not you. We were never meant to be making decisions without his guidance. Every time we try, we are like those trying to find their way through a dark room. God has already seen its layout. So instead of walking by our eyes, which shows us nothing, we close our opinion to which way we think we should go and walk by faith, believing the one who has our destiny already laid out. He will give us the direction we need to navigate through every situation in our life. When we let go and stop striving to figure it out on our own and learn to trust in the goodness of our loving Heavenly Father, then the only then and only then can we experience the happiness and peace we have been longing for. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Um, I know for some this may seem like a lot of new information and it's hard to understand. I want to help in any way I can. If you have any questions, you can message me on Instagram, Zach, Z A C H dot Wolf, W O L F F dot three three two three. And uh, also, ladies, if you're listening, If you want a little women's perspective, go check out White Linen Walk on Spotify or it's available on the podcast app on iPhone. My good friend Bree has a heart to help young women in their walk with Christ and has created that podcast for you specifically in mind. Go check it out. Well, I love you all. Be blessed and we'll catch you next time.